1: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today on this June the 30th, 2020. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzabia back with you here on the show. And of course, uh, Joe, just kind of recapping some of our top stories. Major League Baseball is getting closer to returning. We're going to have reporting day coming up here on Wednesday. And then, of course, spring training. They are calling it spring training 2.0 is happening. We have several players around the league that are opting out. We'll have to keep you guys updated as we go on that. Not that they're going to play huge fantasy factors, But it definitely is something to watch because it could affect the reality side of it. And uh, at the very least, we've seen that happen with Washington and Arizona so far.
0: Yeah, and with the Washington one, too, I mean, what's going to do is open up playing time and more at bats for other players. So, in those sense, in those NL only leagues, this is impactful. I think in some of the deeper leagues, is impactful. Little things like Orion Zimmerman not playing all of a sudden does change the landscape a little bit of that Nats order for guys like Howie Kendrick and guys like Estrubo Cabrera and Castro, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, there are going to be some of these little tiny moves that will make a difference. Again, It's going to be the Wild West. We all know that in terms of Major League Baseball this year. So every little bit of information you can have, I would arm yourself with because it's going to be such a fine – distinction between success and failure because you have so few games to differentiate yourself especially in those leagues where you have daily transactions those can be enormously important because these rosters are going to be so ballooned and so bloated so it's going to be a fascinating thing we're going to do everything we can here on the network to keep you guys up to date and how everything's going to impact all of those rosters that you do have and the ones that you're starting over with and the ones that you are drafting from scratch because god knows a lot of people are going to have a lot of all of the above
1: that's for sure, and uh, certainly you can catch Joe uh, this weekend on Diamond Bets right here on SportsGrid as well. For our first ske- full schedule, just go over to sportsgrid.com. It'll tell you every show that's on the air what time we're on and uh, when we're live, all of our radio shows too. A lot of fun we're having here over at SportsGrid, and, and announcements coming soon too. Always some good announcements, and we'll keep you updated on that. All right, well, uh, it's Mike Tyson's birthday today, Joe, and, and certainly there have been some – rumblings about the possibility of him continuing i felt really good about that until i saw the results of his last few fights when he was mike tyson the fighter boy wow did he he ended really poorly i really didn't realize that he lost like four of his last five fights and uh, then called it a day but in his day he was as dominant as any athlete that we've ever seen in professional sports it is really hard to argue that fact And Joe, I thought it would be fun just to go back and take a look at some of Mike Tyson's, uh, you know, highlights. And I don't know about you, but it seems like when it's all said and done, Mike Tyson will be known more for those very fast fights that he was in and out in the first round and done than almost anything else that he accomplished over the course of his career. Because simply put, when he was in the ring from about 1985 through the early 90s, there just wasn't anybody that even could come close to beating him. So I don't know if it was the competition or if he was that good. I'm I'm just, you know, uncertain.
0: I think it was a combination of both. I mean, this was a guy who was incredibly focused at that time, had incredible uh, management there with Custom Auto too, one of the great boxing people that you'll ever, uh, you know, in the history of the sport— come across and uh, it was a combination of maybe the field was a little overrated and some of the great fighters of the time uh, before that were aging out you know joe frazier muhammad ali all those guys that kind of moved on ken norton uh, but you have a, an incredibly fast rise too this was a guy too mike tyson who for his first 19 fights 12 of the knockouts he had first of all they were all knockouts in the first 19 fights and 12 of them were in the first round So just put that, you know, under your guidelines there. People forget too that he boxed in the Olympics. People also forget that he was just 20 years old, the youngest champion. And just think about that for a moment right now, right? However old you know I are, you know, we're, you know, crossing now over into the 40 range there, but you know, 20 years old, when you and I were 20, I can't imagine us being at the top of our game in anything. Okay, (laughs) just not anything as much as we want to think about it. But imagine being the greatest fighter in the world at age 20. Uh, he's also not the biggest guy either as a heavyweight, which I think kind of led to the legacy and the and the lore of Mike Tyson to a certain extent, because the lore of this guy was only five foot 11 taking down these monstrous six foot three, six foot four, 200 plus pound guys. It was just kind of crazy. And I And I encourage people to go and watch if you if it's still available, that Mike Tyson one-man show because some of the stories that he tells about growing up, you know, he was an overweight kid and he got made fun of a lot and he got into trouble and then he kind of turned his life around after he had, you know, gotten in some of that trouble and found boxing and found custom auto and the next thing you know, he's going to the Olympics. The next thing you know, he's a professional fighter and then he becomes the best in the world so quickly. In 1990, he was also the guy who was the highest paid athlete in sports. So not only was he at the top of his game in terms of the boxing world, but he was probably the most iconic athlete at the time as well because this is before we're right on the precipice of the Michael Jordan era Bulls really taking over so Tyson at 1990 before we hit the beginning of that decade right there Mike Tyson might have been the most important guy in all sports
1: yeah i mean he could have been and um you know certainly for me when i look back on it uh gave us uh, a lot of entertainment going into mm. a fight and not a lot of entertainment going out i remember times <laughs> that i would go and you know, pay for those pay-per-views or split it amongst, you know, five or six guys at the time. As I remember, yeah. like, deciding, do we really want to get Do we get it in HD? Do we get it not in HD? I mean, I remember those kind of conversations, too. And it was 60 bucks, 70 bucks. Everyone would throw $5 in, and we were so upset after, like... I mean, we, we, we would literally have to try and watch an hour of the pre-fights because there was always that chance that the Tyson fight was not going to be great. And mm-hmm. honestly, when I look back on it... um. You know, Certainly the only one that I went into a fight thinking that there was a chance that he would lose was against Razor Ruddock. Those were the only fights that I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I mean, this guy could potentially fight him. Um, And he did probably fight him better than anybody in that era, but he lost both fights against him too. So here are Mike Tyson's five fastest fights in his history, and they're all under a minute uh ricardo spain 39 seconds 1985 michael johnson 39 seconds 1985 now remember when he came back to fight again many years later he uh one of his warm-up fights was against a guy named lou savarese (laughs) and and he beat him in 38 seconds and i think mcneely lasted longer than him uh robert cole uh never heard of that guy but he beat him in 37 seconds And then uh, Marvis Frazier, this is the one that was the fastest fight in Mike Tyson's history. Uh, 30 seconds he beat him in 1986. Now, if you go back and you look at Mike Tyson's fight record, here's what you're going to find. A lot of other fights that were a minute and a minute and a half and two minutes. But these were the five fastest. Of course, Spinks was uh, a championship fight. That was also uh, very quick as well. And when it's all said and done, Joe, I think this is what I'll remember about Tyson. Like, it was just very fast knockouts and that was it but later on when he ran into a guy that could take a punch in Holyfield that's sort of when it all changed because he all he knew was how to knock out guys he didn't know how to go deep into a fight and um and Holyfield certainly was the beginning of the end for yeah uh, he was
0: he was a fighter not a boxer in some in some ways and I remember my grandfather, when we used to watch him, my grandfather was an a amateur boxer himself and, you know, always loved the sport and always tried to teach me about it. But he always referred to Tyson as a fighter. And he said, there's nothing wrong with that. He said, you could be a champ and a fighter. He said, but mm. the hard thing is you could find a guy who can outbox you and get you to go past your endurance level. It changes things. And Tyson wasn't prepared for that. It's one of the things that kind of you know, caught him sleeping with Buster Douglas as he wasn't training for that fight the way he properly should. It was in Japan. It was a lot of other things going on extracurricularly for him. And one of the undoings of Mike Tyson is that he was champ at 20. I mean, I can't imagine what the fame and success and the moments in the late 80s, for God's sake, of all times, being around New York City in that era... And being champion of the world and that famous with all the money and all this stuff and being so young and, you know, I'm sure immature as everyone is when they're in their 20s. And so much of that is the undoing of him. And and the one thing that I wish we had seen is focused, just brute strength, incredible Mike Tyson at his peak against Evander Holyfield. Because we didn't get that. We got post-prison Mike Tyson against Evander Holyfield. And that was the shame. Lennox Lewis. And Lennox Lewis. And that was the shame because had... Had that stretch in prison not happened, had he not, can, uh, you know, change... And, and that's also when he got away from the, the original group that brought him to the mountaintop, too. He had changed managers, and, you know, he had changed cut guys. He, he had basically the regime that got him right. there, he abandoned, and and that's the politics of boxing. And that enters into it, that's the politics of sports. And I think that it's unfortunate that the boxing world got robbed of what could have been an Ali Frazier-esque kind of rivalry with Holyfield and Tyson, because you did have the incredible knockout power of Tyson at any moment against the great boxer who could really take a punch in Vander Holyfield and dish it out at the same time. But you never got that because Tyson post that prison sentence with that new regime working with him was never quite the same fighter, wasn't as focused, didn't have the same kind of training regimen and all the other things that would made him so successful early on. And and it's a shame. And it's it's one of the things that I think had boxing had that, it might have continued to push forward. And I think not having that Rivalry hurt it in the long term. And then we've seen the Klitschkos and other guys over the years, and it just hasn't been the same. We grew up with boxing being the thing. UFC has turned into more of a thing, obviously, in the last 20 years. It's sure. been huge. And the pivot has gone away from boxing, unfortunately. And I don't think it's ever going to come back. I just think the time has changed, unfortunately. And you get it sometimes with the lightweight guys. You see the middleweight champs and things like that. You know, you see every now and then the Mayweather flight gets a gets a big, you know, to-do or It's just, I don't know, I just don't ever see heavyweight boxing grabbing the consciousness of the sports landscape in this country again.
1: Yeah, I would say that let's put a TBD on that, because you never know when Mm -hmm. someone's going to come around like that. I would not rule that out. Um, Remember, Tyson didn't fight anyone for a long time. And he was the only guy, so maybe there right. will be one fighter to come around, and you know Joshua and Wilder,
0: and then there are some and Ruiz. There have Alan been Tyson Fury's been entertaining. There's no doubt right. about no, that.
1: Right? No, there have been some. Um, and and look, I'm not putting them in that polarizing category. I'm not even putting them in Lennox Lewis's category or Evander Holyfield's category. And look, we had some battles with Riddick Bowe and Oliver McCall. I mean, there were, there was a run of a time, and then we just hit that slide where it was mm-hmm. just Klitschko or nothing and Chris Bird fighting like this with his two hands up and just not wanting to get hit. I mean, look, those fights were terrible to watch. I agree with that. But I will say that I wouldn't rule it out because a generational a boxer could come around eventually and, and change the game.
0: The hard it part is you happen. lose a lot of those kids to MMA now, like those kids that come up through that right. fighting but again, system. They we're go talking about the rest of our lives, Joe. Right. Maybe and, it <laughs> you know? Well, the only thing is that, that's that's the inherent issue. It's sure that can happen. The problem is... These athletes who come up into the the combat sports world, let's just say, they tend to automatically you drift. To it? The I, absolutely, I would agree
1: with the that. amount
0: of money that's but, in it but, to- you,
1: but but where I don't agree with you is that I don't want to see Tyson fight anymore. I, I think no, I don't, be- I don't.
0: want to see Tyson fight. I, I, I say that very I don't want to see it. No, I, I, I've said yeah. I've been on record saying that too.
1: Yeah, like like if we're talking about an exhibition two or three round fight against Holyfield and where we don't have to pay for it. And we want to watch a train wreck. Sure. Like, I mean, uh, no, no Can problem. Can we get
0: Screech from Save by the Bell and Mike Dyson? Can we exactly. get, that's the fight yeah. everybody
1: wants. Or Aaron Paul, you know, like, I mean, that that's fine. Like, if they want to do that. But let's not take this all that seriously. And again, I know that everyone wants to make this into a thing. Do the same thing that I did today. And with all due respect to Mike Tyson, one of the greatest boxers of all time, go take a look at what he did 20 years ago in his final five fights and look at who he lost. You're going to go, what? I don't even remember any of this happening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, it ended pretty badly right, for
0: him. Yeah, yeah, you're
1: right. All right, uh, we'll come back next, and we'll hit on some Major League Baseball players that are set to go for the season. Don't go away
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: and welcome back we're starting to get some more clarity on the major league baseball player pools of 60 players that's the maximum allowed in Major League Baseball in 2020. Now, uh, to give you some more clarity as to some things that we're hearing, and I think it's really important to note this, is that, what, at least from my understanding, is that several teams have 50 to 55 players identified that they absolutely wanted to have. There are also a handful of players, Joe, that, let's be honest, I mean, they're non-roster invitees who were invited back again just to kind of finish out the spring, And I've even uh, heard the word placeholders for potential either prospects or trades or other players down the line. Now, you may say, well, why is that the case? Well, if Major League Baseball is allowing you to have 60, why would you have 52? You may as well max it out. It's the reason why there's 53 guys on an NFL team. If you give them 53, they'll have 53. If you give them 57, they'll have 57. This is the same thing with baseball. That's exactly what they're doing. But the one caveat to this that baseball has done is said, hey, look, you can have up to sixty, but we're not going to be playing games with the roster. <clears throat> so if you if a guy outside of having uh, you know a COVID issue, if you take a guy off that sixty man, that's a wrap for 2020, and then you'd have to address that back in 2021. So uh, keep all of this in mind, and I would say that it seems like the roster is a little bit more fluid than I initially thought when we first started talking about this a couple days ago. Uh, But I thought it would be a good exercise to take a look at some of the players, Joe, that are potentially uh, back in the pool and what teams were thinking by assigning them to their player pool this year.
0: Yeah, and look, to say this situation is going to be fluid is, I think, the understatement of the century right now. I mean, there's going to be a lot of fluidity on Major League Baseball rosters over the next two months and change, and that's understandable. This is just the reality of the situation we're in, but it doesn't mean that you can't Make some decisions off for it or let some of these additions and some of these names kind of creep into your psyche and understand whether or not their investments or whether or not they're guys that could uh, their presence alone affect other guys or other, you know, parts of the team. So it's important to kind of know the names that are in and out right now and what that does mean for this 60 games that we're hoping we get in Major League Baseball.
1: Yep, hope so. So let's take a look at a couple of the teams uh, as far as here are some of the players that are in. Uh, the Padres have their top pitching prospect, Mackenzie Gore. Uh, and uh, Patino was also another big name of, of a yeah. player that I think that we're going to be paying attention to this year. Uh, the Mets decided to ta- take two injured players to their 60-man, uh, uh, Jed Lowry and Yohannes Espinis. Uh I don't know, I don't have a clue what's going on with Lowry at this point. The Mariners, uh, speaking of which, have a former Met, Jared Kalenic, who there certainly is that chance that he could make his debut in Julio Rodriguez. Joe does not think so, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, Astros, uh, Forrest Whitley, who has been has had a wild ride with the Houston Astros thus far Mm -hmm. up and down and suspensions and great. And then last year, I don't know, it may have the yips. I'm not even sure Mm -hmm. Uh, giants, Billy Hamilton, Pablo Sandoval, you know what those guys are there to do. They're there to play well so they can get traded in 30 days. That's the only reason why they're on the giants. (laughs) And then the, and then the Oakland A's, I have AJ puck on a fantasy team, it's the only no player that I know that I have on my fantasy team this year. I have real, Muto. I know I have real Muto also. I have real Muto and Puck. Oh, I'm sure good. of that. I still yeah. have not clicked on my old fantasy teams yet. Uh,
0: you know what? I haven't either. I think that's going to be an exercise uh, this week to start doing. I'm it's not to- ready for it. Oh, come on. It's time to learn to love again here, Craig. We have to try to start and look and see what we have to work with, for God's sake, because already they're putting in all these things here about when we can start adding and dropping guys, and God knows are going to be guys to add and drop. That's definitely coming down the pike.
1: I had Mike Leak in all my leagues. I'm That's
0: it. That's it. The whole season's done now. No Mike League. If your, your season was hinging on that, that's uh, it was over already. I got news for you. You don't need the 60 game season to tell you that. Uh, but AJ Puck is the guy I want to start with who's at the end of this list. And the reports are that he's healthy. <clears throat> the reports are that they plan on him being a part of the rotation. That's huge because I think AJ Puck's prospects of you drafting him and having to wait until midsummer for him to be ready were very tenuous and how much draft capital do you want to use now if you took a shot on him and he got the bad news and now all of a sudden you're in the same league and he's back and pitching well hey you're in a good spot here That's so right. eight to ten yeah. starts here of aj puck in a season where you don't have to worry about innings limits where you know he has some good defense behind him and some very good offense behind him aj puck can be one of these guys that could realistically give you like a six and two record and like a you know a high twos ERA and go on an incredible run here. He's that kind of talent. And whenever you have this kind of talent who's new and fresh to a league, it's very difficult at times for the league to kind of catch up to them. And I think this is a, a pairing with Lazardo add that with Montas and Manaya. And man, this A's rotation is pretty good. And and Puck, I think, is his first in these lot. And Paul Spore and I talked about it earlier in the week on the show. But these guys like Urias, these guys like Puck, Lazardo, you know, this is such a unique opportunity for these guys to kind of take a step forward without having the burden of 160, 170 innings on them. And that is very important. And it's maybe something you should consider being more aggressive on them, either acquiring them or drafting them if you're redrafting.
1: Well, hopefully we'll get more clarity in the next couple of weeks for sure. But Puck was someone that I liked a lot. He went to University of Florida, so I'm partial to that, of course. And uh, and again, you hear comparisons to Randy Johnson, which is completely unfair, talking about one yeah. of the greatest pitchers of all time. But he does have the size, and he has that sort of uh, arm angle as well. But um, you know, he had an injury issue in March, which looked like it was going to derail him for a period of time maybe he wouldn't have ended up starting now. So uh, we'll have to see as far as, you know, some of the other players that are interesting, uh, Lowry and Cespedes are just fillers at this point. I can't really see them making much of an impact. We'll keep an eye on Seattle's players. And there's uh, a for- lot of
0: money in those two guys, by the way.
1: Yeah. Forrest Whitley is, is really an intriguing one because I don't, I don't think there is middle ground for him, Joe. I think he's either going <laughs> to be a star or he's going to be a nothing. And I'm not sure which one it is. Um, you know the former regime that was there with Houston. I used to talk to them a lot about him, and they could not figure out what was going on with him last year. Um, couldn't get anybody out. Was walking the park, giving yeah. up bombs. Like it was just like a, a completely different picture. Remember, he also had the suspension. So. I mean, it's it's feast or famine, I think, with Whitley.
0: I don't think that, I don't think that well, there's, and there's I don't, no I don't think
1: he's going to end up being an average pitcher. Like
0: it's Well, there's no like, rotation spot for him either. So that's what's so interesting, because I don't necessarily see him fitting in there barring an injury, which, of course, could happen at any given time. And, you know, sometimes that's all you need is that other opportunity. You know, I remember Rick Ankiel and how damn good he was in a rotation until he all of a sudden lost it, quote unquote. And never got it back. And then ended up having to come back as a position player. And that's still staggering when we go back and think that That was able to do that at the big league level and be a pretty good player. Uh, But you know, Lowry and Cespedes, I don't know what you're going to get out of these guys. All I know is you're paying them a ton of money. And now that there's a DH spot here, I wonder if somehow one of the two of them, I mean, Jed Dowery had what seven at bats last year, right? For all the millions they're paying him and Cespedes. You know, I understand it was a nice story at the time where he took less money, he could have signed with the Nationals and gotten more, but instead he signed with the Mets because he liked the organization and everything, and it's just been pretty much downhill ever since then. Yeah, but been. once upon a time, Cespedes was one of the best middle-of-the-order bats in baseball, oh, yeah, for sure. Is oh, there yeah. any chance— Home-run derby chance? Is there any no. chance no. in this kind of short no. season? career's Correct? over. Okay. Nah, career's what over. about McKenzie yeah, Gould? I mean, he
1: didn't renegotiate right? his contract, but he essentially— right worked out something to take less money. And I, I think they worked out something where like a Bonilla deal where he's getting paid the rest of his life instead of getting it paid right now in order to stay with the Mets. I think he's completely done.
0: <laughs> you know what? Whoever buys the Mets, I'm telling you this right now. This is, this is from me to you. Okay. Whoever ends up buying the Mets, I don't care who you are. If it's JLo, if it's, if it's K-Rod, if it's, if it's A-Rod, I don't care whoever it is. You buy the Mets. The first thing you do is you find a way to pay off the volume of Benia contract. You get that done. So you because don't have this,
1: to hear about it every because,
0: year? Because because as a Mets fan, every year you hear about it, and every year it's a reminder of what kind of sadness you live in as a Mets fan. If you do that from a PR perspective, I'm telling you, the Mets fan base will get behind you immediately. Uh, Mackenzie Gore is the other guy. I, just, do that. I know they won't, but they should. Mackenzie Gore is that other guy, too, because if the Padres get off to a hot start, this is one of the few teams that could add a really good young arm here for perhaps – that run, you know, when you get into September. And, you know, that rotation is tenuous. Lamette is intriguing. I like Lucchese. I don't know what you're going to get out of uh, Garrett Richards. But Gore is another one of these pieces where I think you monitor. And I don't know about you, but I'll put it to you. Do you think if I gave you five starts for Mackenzie Gore this year, would you go over or under?
1: I would go uh, maybe – I would go under – Okay. But I would say he'd get two or three, and I would say that there's a shot it's with another team.
0: Really? Oh, you think they're going to pull the trigger and get that other bat in the yeah, middle? Yeah, when
1: you're all in, you're all in, man.
0: Well, look, I mean, you could have him and Abrams, and you could turn a lot. I mean, you could get. Oh, well, get, they're not
1: trading Abrams, but but, but, but where Gore, are they going to play him? Oh, it won't matter. He's going to be a star. You got to wait. Yeah, his he's going to be a superstar. So you can't can't do anything
0: with him yet. I guess, but I just don't. I really some- they'll,
1: they'll figure, that out. They'll figure <laughs> that out. No, I mean, <laughs>
0: it's gonna have to pitch. I up. mean, all
1: I can tell you is that this the people that were involved heavily in that draft have told me that like that guy was a surefire guy. A what surefire about
0: some guy. cheap steals with Billy Hamilton? Cause you know, he's gonna play for San Francisco. I mean. He's got to make contact, but, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's the question. But just I throwing out that. the idea out there.
1: I, th- I think that, like, a guy like Billy Hamilton, and, and we're going to identify one player around the league, Joe, that in the first month is just the extra innings guy on second base. That's it.
0: Oh. I, th- I think
1: that's what Billy oh, Hamilton is. Oh, wow.
0: That's, yeah, that's rough, man. That's it. That's rough.
1: <laughs> Every team is just going to have a guy for that, as they should. It's part of the game. If you get yeah. to extra innings, who is going to be the guy that starts off on second base for you? Right? Well,
0: it's, Am I it's, wrong? It's not Cespedes, and it's not Jed Lowry. It, I mean, no, Hamilton
1: God. is the name. That it, we we could do Bob it for Sand every I <laughs> guarantee you, when the 30-man <laughs> rosters are named, we're yeah. going to look back, and you will see 25 guys and go, wait a second, who is this? Why is this guy on the team? He is the designated runner. That's what it is. The specialization? Like, like, like my Herb Washington story. Remember that
0: story That's, I told you? Remember I that do? one? I do this, remember.
1: This year that's that's going to happen in fact i'm going to say something about that on social media too i think this is a good time for- I,
0: I, it's the herb washington moment look a couple players that are not in the pool uh the rays brent honeywell obviously uh, even though they say he's recovering and, and responding to treatment he is not going to be on this roster which is very sad because i know a lot of us in the dynasty baseball community were hoping that he could turn things around this year and obviously it's not going to go his way and sir anthony dominguez uh, is out too he's having Tommy John surgery now so oh, that's, a better, that's a big loss there well I'm, I'm just saying it's a it's a big loss in the sense of the Phillies bullpen is thin already and I don't know it's how it's not good think. let's
1: just just it's call not it not good and it's, no, thin. it's just not good
0: it's well that's just, my whole argument against the Phillies this year I think this is a this is a 60 game season starting off in a weird place it feels like bullpens are going to be taxed early and often and if you have bad ones you're going to get exposed and I just feel like that's that's the Achilles heel of the Phillies, in my opinion. As as much as I'd like to see that team succeed, because I think I think if they do, Harper is an MVP candidate kind of guy. Like this could be that year where he like just puts a team on his back and they go all the way through the playoffs, and that'd be I a great real.
1: Udo is an MVP.
0: Candidate. I know he's your best friend. Yeah, I know you and JT are best buddies. I know you guys run fantasy football teams together. He seems like a great guy. I you know he seems. The best. Like a- He's the best. I'm a big fan. Guys
1: like him. Big Real Muto fan. All right. uh, Coming up next, it's time to have a little fantasy football conversation. We were doing this a lot for the last couple of months, but now with baseball back, fantasy football a little bit on the back burner somewhat, but we're still going to cover it for you guys every day in July in some way. And then coming up next, it's time to look at some late round values in the NFC North. Who does Joe think in these early drafts and early mock drafts that you can target in rounds 10 through 15 that you could potentially have with someone that could play well for you in fantasy football coming up in a couple of months we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes right here on sports grid this is fantasy sports today don't go away
0: Get on the grid.
1: And welcome back. Before we get to some late round sleepers, there was an early round sleeper in fantasy football a few years ago, Joe, by the name of Johnny Manziel. Remember Johnny Manziel, (laughs) Johnny football from the Cleveland Browns. I remember... You know, a lot of people in fantasy football, you know, those conversations were, you don't want to take Johnny football with, you know, as a QB one, but he could be you know, a late QB one, QB two. Well, he was QB zero in the NFL. And uh, basically he's been describing his football career as quote, in the past. So, uh, you know, kind of sad there, uh, I got to say, Joe, because he had a great personality. He was a lot of fun. He was. Uh, But his personal life certainly derailed his career. But I got to tell you, watching him in college was as fun as any quarterback that I have seen in the past decade. Um, I mean, this is like this was like Tebow-esque. He was that good in coming. He was better than Kyler Murray. Like he was a a fantastic college football quarterback. The only thing that we can hope for Johnny Football is that in ten years from now we can start to celebrate those years with him.
0: Because well, I would it hope
1: there was nothing after that.
0: Well, it's been a it's been a long and winding road for him for sure. I, I don't know how many people in the fantasy community were expecting him to do much. I don't know who you were hanging out with at that time. What kind of crowd you were rolling with? But, it was it was the uh, R. Orange. I was gonna say, this sounds like the guys in your purple book, not the black book crew. That that no, I can tell you book that much. We didn't
1: like them. The orange book people. Orange
0: book, yeah. It's funny how you just keep changing the colors of the book whenever you know you have bad takes, like I've Johnny Mansell. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I gotta ask you a question. When you were watching him play in college, same with Tebow. With Tebow, I mean, I think a lot of us thought it would be difficult for him to make that transition to the NFL style of game, and it didn't really work. Although he had some magical moments, I'm not gonna deny him that. Did you think Manzel was going to translate, or were you just thought he'd be good? Yeah, thought
1: he'd be good. Yeah, it's one of those things where how can you be so good and not succeed? Um, there's no excuse. I mean, you, it's a failure. But yeah. I do think had his personal life not been derailed,
0: that he could have back up in a the NFL. Guy, right? Like, yeah, to, yeah, but you know, I mean, the, he's I like Kyler like Murray's size. little. Yeah, you know. Doug Flutie wasn't big. You know, he Flutie. was
1: just an absolute wreck. Like He was Antonio Brown before Antonio Brown. It was every day on Instagram and Twitter oh. saying crazy things and fighting with girlfriends and all. I mean, in the, the Vegas, they couldn't find him. And it was just... There, I mean, and, your sick, uh,
0: Antonio Brown and Johnny Manziel living in a uh, house together. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and and I listen, again, you go back and watch games of him playing in college and and oh, face yeah. off. I mean, he played Alabama better than any quarterback that I've ever seen. Like he uh, was unbelievable against them and that sold me, you know, two years in a row. So um, it's unfortunate, but anyway, uh, he won't be in a fantasy draft this year. We're looking at the NFC North today, Joe, and we're looking for some late round players that we could potentially grab of your list here
0: uh, that you've put together today. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. We're doing see, a series uh, here. I'm, I see I'm two. Trying. Okay. Hey, that's better than the other day where you saw one. I got one, two so. for you.
1: Well, I'm trying
0: it. to throw out circumstances and I'm trying to at least find one guy on each team that's worth at least discussing.
1: We got yeah, to do, yeah, so do it. So we're,
0: we're doing we the best we, we can yeah. here. And, and let's start yeah. off with the Minnesota Vikings and Justin Jefferson in round 14 because this is a guy, as soon as he was drafted, I thought, has an opportunity at least to fill somewhat of the void because Craig is not the biggest Tajay Sharp guy. He'll be the first one to tell you that. So yeah, I'm somebody not a else. Player either. You're not a fan of this player either, which is it's just a uh, shame because I think there's going to be some volume, at least potentially, for him in this offense because they were much more balanced last year than they were the year before, and that's a good thing. Uh, Dalvin Cook is a holdout as of right now. And uh, look, I'm not saying he's Stefan Diggs, I'm not going to go off for a thousand yards, but something in that 750 range I don't think is out of the question potentially for him. Craig is shaking his head. No, he hates it. Uh, but, Justin Jefferson, why do you hate him so much? What is it about this player you see that you feel like he can't live up to around round 14 he value? Had,
1: he had one really good year at LSU with a generational quarterback right. running the show there. He He's entering a scenario this year with with almost no playing time with Cousins on a field up until July, no OTAs. Um, not the most polished of all those wide receivers that came out. It wouldn't surprise me if he was better in two years from now, but I am definitely not in on this player all this right. year.
0: Uh, Irv Smith is the other question too. And, again, and I like Irv Smith. This is a like, tight end premium. I like this scenario. Guy. Now I, like I don't like him stuff. as a tight end one, but again, when you're in tight Why end, premium, well, because Kyle Rudolph is still there. And that's the thing I didn't understand about this pick two years ago. And I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. Like it's what is it good. they see? It's well, when, because it kind of has to happen may now not, may, not, may not be this year too
1: but he <laughs> he's gonna be good you know but i'll tell you there there was another uh, tight end in uh college that i thought was gonna be good too listen and he was a total bust um i mean i think he's a total max williams is a total bust right Dunn? yes total bust yeah 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 max williams was a beast in college i thought that that was a great pick at the time and i feel the same way about Er smith so it'll probably end up being a bust well, max, in but, all
0: fairness but, max williams had injuries too like, it wasn't all performance. He maybe so, but he yeah. was
1: a beast. Irv Smith was a beast in college, and he just hasn't had the opportunity yet. Uh, I'm not giving up on that player. I'm not, uh, up.
0: I'm, I'm not giving up on him. Again, for me, he's a tight end premium only. So if you're looking for a second tight end on a team in those, you know, wackadoo leagues or some things, things like that with some other strange scoring. Uh, let's go to the Packers. Uh, you know, I keep telling myself somebody else has to catch the football besides Devontae Adams. Uh, and I keep looking around, and I keep waiting for that person to be. You know, it was MVS. It was John Allison. It was having debates. This year, people are saying it's gonna be Funches. I don't want to touch Devin Funches with a ten foot bowl. He didn't play a down last year, right? No, he did not. He got hurt how right can, away. How can anybody
1: think that? It I was don't.
0: Funches? I don't know, but they do, Craig. And it's the people well, who I write know. in the orange book, and that's why the black book is number one.
1: Listen, uh, anyway. I'm telling. I'm, I'm telling you now. They're going to have A.J. Green or someone else. They're not going into the— Listen, we will be on this show. It will be the first game of the football season for the Green Bay Packers. I want you to look at me on this show and say, Craig, what happened to that wide receiver that you said that the Packers were going to get? I want you to record this show. I want you to record (laughs) that statement because I am telling you now that before the season starts, someone is going to be on the other side— that is better than any of the players you know that what? we can
0: name. I, I wanna say we almost had this conversation last year, but, uh, <laughs>
1: but it, it but not happen.
0: Uh, trying to get somebody Green else Bang? over there. Yeah,
1: Green no, Bay. No, no, no. Why? I don't think I don't think so. Do you think no.
0: MVS or Allison was gonna be that guy? Jamie
1: Jamie Eisenberg uh, you know appeared a lot on the show and, and he was and he would tell you now that he was really high on uh, Valdez Gantling. So, you know, look, I saw Valdez-Gantling play in college, too. I didn't think that great of him, but I was like, ah, Rodgers is still great. I did not see Rodgers taking that big of a dip in terms of him throwing the ball, and I think that's what led to it more. But but I will say this. Jamie would take it on the chin. I'll take it on the chin for that. I I had Valdez-Gantling in a couple leagues. I thought that he was going to be the guy. It was very clear he was not. It was very clear it was not Allison but I am certain that this is like a Newton situation to New England, and that Green Bay ends up. I hope with you're a right. Guy.
0: I hope you're I right. You if they... it's somebody like AJ Green, then the Packers have really done something good here. Are and there other would...
1: options out there for me? Well,
0: the only other guy is Alan Lazard at round 14. And again, the no, reason give why I'm you me saying... a
1: guy not on the Packers. company uh, Out there is there is there a disgruntled wide receiver on another team <sighs> that we put on Green Bay?
0: Um, no. And I'll tell you why, because this was such a good wide receiver draft. and There's so many young wide receivers now on teams who teams are looking for a shot. So it's that Devin Funches group of guys, which is why I think Funchess is what they think that's going to be. And that's what I, I say that nah too, but I'm telling you, I think that's what green Bay is contemplating and saying, this guy can be X, Y, Z, like Randall Cobb type guys like that, that sort of guy at that stage of his career. But I I don't see it being fun just I think they do and I think it's going to be wrong but that's why I keep saying Lazard because the one thing about Lazard even though he didn't have a great year was there were moments there where it looked like in big spots at least and third downs and some other situations where Rodgers had confidence in him. And that's the only thing with a, with a young receiver and, a, and a, a veteran quarterback is you look for the guys they have confidence in. And Rodgers is one of these guys that if he doesn't have confidence in you, you're done. Like, you're dead to him. And we've seen it happen to Allison, to MVS. like a, Antonio Brown. Well, but I, I didn't say Antonio Brown. I didn't say Josh Gordon because I don't think Antonio, no, Brown's not going Gordon, no, Antonio,
1: Antonio Brown Brown's not going to be No, not Josh Gordon. But Antonio Brown, six games, Packers next year.
0: No. I mean, if anything, Seattle, because I think Pete Carroll is the perfect guy. That's the perfect guy. Uh, the other guy, too, on the Packers. Again, this is PPR only, but Jamal Williams last year had half a dozen touchdowns. And Jamal Williams will catch the football and give you some slop yardage and some slop catches and end every now and then a to touchdown. And it's one of those things that when you're looking for just depth sometimes on a bench in a deeper league, having a guy like Jamal Williams, who, you know, every now and then when they get down to the goal line is going to have a moment or two where they're going to turn around and pitch with the ball or, or get him a little screen and things like that. You saw it happen a lot when they got down there. Now, Aaron Jones pounded the ball in quite a bit himself, but they did show some differential there. At least half a dozen times. This is what' show you by the touchdown total. So Jamal Williams, again, PPR, deeper leagues. We're talking 14, 15, 16 team leagues. I think it's a guy worth speculating on. Uh, the Bears, this is it. This is the fork in the road for Anthony Miller. He's a talented guy. I think Nick Foles or Trubisky, one of those two is the quarterback. If I had to choose, I think Foles is the guy that I'd rather have to try to make this happen. Am I wrong? Do you think Trubisky is the guy to make this happen? Because I feel like we've had Trubisky and it hasn't happened yet.
1: Yeah, I don't feel good about either quarterback there.
0: I don't feel good about them either, but I'm just hoping that it's going to be the latter. And the last one is the Lions uh, here. Um, Marvin Jones is going in round eight. And I know Marvin Jones is one of the most streaky players. Like, he's a guy that could drop a game on, like, three touchdowns at 150 yards. You're like, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. And then he is perennially, you know, somebody you don't find very often. But here's a fascinating little stat, and I just saw this, and I know you like fun stats. Through age 31 season, Matthew Stafford is number one in completions, number two in passing yards, and number three in passing touchdowns. Now, if I told you that, right, that's kind of surprising stuff. And it makes you realize that Matt Stafford has a very prolific career over his first, you know, 10 years in the league. And he's still just 31, same age as Cam Newton. I don't think either of those guys are done. So I think Jones is another one of these guys that kind of hangs on and is relevant. If you want to go back into the Hawkinson situation one more time too, again, he's going basically undrafted, but tight end premium scenarios, okay, I kind of get that as a second tight end. But to me, I think Matthew Stafford, when we go back and you look at the body of work, we forget how good he's been and how consistent he's been. Yes, he did that Calvin Johnson, but now he's got Kenny Galladay and now he's got what could appear to be an improved running game. And all of a sudden, I think that Lions team continues to look more and more dangerous as we continue to look at it.
1: Yeah. I like Detroit and uh, I like Jones. I'm not a big, I'm not as big a Hawkinson guy. I, I, you know, went in. No, I'm thinking, a fan
0: guy. I'm with you on the fant fan Hawkinson thing for sure.
1: Good. Glad I turned you on to that.
0: Detroit. Oh, you absolutely did. You, you know, I relied quite a bit on you last year in the college football world. And uh,
1: let me ask you this mm-hmm. DD Westbrook. Would he be the second best wide receiver on
0: the Packers? <laughs> yeah, he would. You know who else? If I was a Packers, I would try. Here's the last name for it. Corey Davis. Just see if you can get something out of Corey him. Corey Davis. Corey a Davis is the a guy. Wants Tennessee, guy. right? Yeah, Corey Davis is yes. a talented guy. Who hasn't gotten go. the right. That's that's the kind of guy you go after.
1: There you go. There you that's go. the at. other side. Corey
0: Davis. He's unsigned right now. No, oh, he's still there. But I think you could get him for a pick. Didn't Tennessee cut the receiver? Not him. <laughs> He's still on the roster. I thought he caught. The, I thought he got cut. No, AJ right. Brown and him. If he did get cut, they should go get him right away. I don't I think believe he got it. cut. I
1: don't know. Maybe. Well, we'll all right, uh, <laughs> All right, we'll uh, we'll come back and wrap it all up after. This. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Joe and I both have our caps on here because what we want to do is make sure that we participate in something that I think that is really important, which is, in fact, tipping our caps, which we are doing right now, to the Negro Leagues, which was so important uh, for the history of baseball and want to make sure that we tip our cap here on this show to the Negro Leagues. I was very fortunate uh, many years ago to go to the Major League Baseball draft and meet about forty uh, former Negro League players who were representatives of their teams when they honored them in Orlando at the first-year player draft, uh, tipping my cap to them, Joe.
0: It's one of the best parts of the Ken Burns documentary series is learning about the Negro Leagues. It was something that it was very hard to find information on, and it was how I really learned about them. And when you learn about not just the the caliber of the players, but also the entire infrastructure of the league and how fascinating that was and how it was prolific. <laughs> and and it really drew. And uh, some very important names, obviously, that did eventually play Major League Baseball came from the Negro Leagues, but also the sad stories of how many incredible talents never got that opportunity Absolutely. to compete. And, uh, you know, the, my, my one thing is my guy, Buck O'Neill, who I loved, I wish, wish that he had gotten into the Hall of Fame before he had passed on because that was one of the great ambassadors of our game. And it's a shame that he didn't get to have that moment because I think it would have meant so much to him and so much to uh, those surviving members. But uh, I think a very important thing here going on here and very cool thing. And the Negro League Hall of Fame is in Kansas City, I believe. Is that's that correct.
1: correct. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yes. Now,
0: I have not been there. Have you ever been?
1: I have not. No,
0: uh, that's that's one of those places. I think that if I got to go down to that area, I would absolutely have to check out. I'd want to see it and and check it out. I'm a big fan of Cooperstown, and I imagine this is a a pretty great establishment as well, and uh, important here, important for us to be recognizing that, and uh, great to see that baseball and sports can move the narrative forward in this country, so hopefully getting back to sports is good for all of us, and a little bit more unity here in the United States of America. It is the United States supposed the, to be right? uh, We
1: saw yesterday Magic Johnson tip his cap. We saw uh, former uh, President uh, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. CeCe Sabathia, Conan O'Brien, uh, George Bush, Reggie Jackson, and uh, my guy Fergie Jenkins also do that as well. So uh, definitely want to tip our caps as well uh, for the uh, Negro Leagues. Hopefully you guys can post your videos out there as well. Uh, just a programming note here for Sports Grid. I know that things have gone way out of control with my hair here. I understand that. <laughs> I apologize for that. It's been an internal battle in the Mish household. Uh, I have wanted to get a haircut now for a while. Um, it, it, Miami has just been a—it's where I go to get my haircut. It's just been a dicey conversation to have because of the COVID numbers just constantly spiking in Miami. We have not been able to secure my uh, my hairdresser to come to our house. Like that has been the plan now for about a month. Mm-hmm. It is happening. Oh, it is it is happening!
0: Oh my goodness, uh,
1: very soon. So I know a lot of the old pandemic Craig Mish uh, fantasy sports today videos are going to be featuring this cool look, but uh, it's coming to an end pretty soon, and we're oh going back to the fresh cut uh, March two thousand. <sighs> 20. great i bet you're
0: gonna feel so much lighter too you know it's like it's like that I woman so. who goes through a bad breakup on one of those hallmark movie kind of things or lifetime movies and all of a sudden i think that's you that's you and like this whole baseball thing that's going on for the last this baseball labor dispute thing that's going on and now you cut your Not hair and now yeah just don't get the karen don't don't get that haircut don't get that weird haircut where it's like you know, business, uh, you know, in the front and party in the back and crazy stuff going on here. I just want you to get a regular haircut. I think uh, think
1: it's it's going to be back to the way it was. You know, I normally like it short. My wife. You know, she was like, can you just give it a shot? And, you know, because I really like it when you have a lot of hair. Can you please grow it out? She
0: run her fingers through it. Is this like, uh, this is? you know, Joe, I mean, this personal business there. Well, oh, you know? hey, look, I mean, gosh, we spend all this time. I mean, this, I mean
1: just because just because we talk about Alan Lazard <laughs> doesn't mean we're going to be able to talk about my hair.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, man. If, but if but I, gave, I, honored,
1: I honored her and and I gave it a good, you know, 80 days. But the last two weeks, I'm starting to hear it from everybody. Like, what do you Like, when are you getting – like, I'm getting calls. are like, hey, like, I watch you on TV. Like, everything – like,
0: what do you think you're doing? Hey, a couple more weeks of lots of love. You know, you could probably donate if you go a little bit longer it, here. It's
1: too much. It is too much. So I apologize to all of you out there who have had some focus on this. And that's not what I want you to do. I want more of the focus to be on fantasy sports birthdays. Uh, but for now, <laughs> get another
0: well
1: It's it's gone. Next week, it's gone. One uh, one. I just
0: want, one, want the three big three. before and after. Will you promise me, Brett? I Brett, if you're Have listening?
1: all the videos on YouTube on demand. Well, but I want to
0: do the, the side by side. Like I want the freeze frame. Like I'll even step out shocking.
1: for when you see me next week. It's gonna be like, whoa, what'd you uh, do? You should, you cut it all off. But I'll be like, that's day the day I was for the last ten years. You know, it's
0: it's like- segment segment one has got to be the before and after picture because that's always fun. You don't get to do the before and after. I I mean, i'm the human after picture so you can't go by and you
1: know our producer brett one day he just pops on to skype and he's like hey
0: hey man what's going on
1: and i'm like whoa what i didn't even say anything to him I'm like he like cutting all his hair off i'm like whoa. oh yeah yeah he did yes he did it's like one day gone but he doesn't have to be on this show it's a big difference that's right i think hair, I think hair works uh well, i wouldn't know. You, know you know uh our uh our, our chief officer uh, mike cardano for many years used to say that the one thing he, that he had going on for him is that he had more hair than me. And now he's like in shock. Like the last month, he's like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. you, I, I didn't realize you had all this hair. It's like, yes, it was a conscious choice. Now, mm-hmm. not in the back, you don't get to see, but it was a conscious choice. <laughs>
0: it stops about there. It stops. goes it's, about it's, here. The back shot <laughs> is bad. Yeah. yeah. This is an island right off the coast of Miami pretty soon. That's, yeah, that's where, that's what happens. Yeah. You know? So
1: that that's, that's where we're at. Yeah, big, um, news. big news. Big news here on the show. Okay, so Cam Newton. Uh, I don't know how we do that. Right,
0: yeah, Transition out of this, there, professional. Go ahead. Obviously, it's well. Not gonna work. <laughs> speaking of fresh starts, looks like Cam Newton is going to have one for the there, New England Patriots. Cam?
1: Yeah, I don't. I got nothing, but there you go. I'll, I'll do it. It's fine. Oh, but look. here. Well, what Cam Newton brings to the Patriots.
0: Well, look, and I think we have to think about that and what the fantasy repercussions are, and and what the logical expectations are. I see a ton of hot take things out there, which I know Craig is a big fan of the hot take stuff. Uh, But I've also seen some really good uh, Kyle Yates over at fantasy pros, did a really good projection model on cam Newton, which I actually thought was really pretty solid. And I thought it would be good and useful to look back at what peak cam Newton looks like and what most recent full season cam Newton looks like. So if you go back to 2015, that was the year he won the MVP, the year they go to the super bowl, they are 15 and one. I keep reminding everybody Fifteen and one. OK, this was a really good football team. They were good on defense as well. But Cam Newton was just out of his mind. Two ninety six uh, for four ninety five thirty eight hundred and thirty seven yards. He had thirty five passing touchdowns. Then he also rushed for ten touchdowns and six hundred and thirty six yards. So it's not going to be this. In 2018, he threw for nearly the same amount of attempts, which is something to. You know, understand. And it's funny, in 2018, he actually had a better completion percentage. He actually completed 320 of 471. Uh, He threw for less yards and he had less touchdowns. He had 24 passing touchdowns. But again, you know, sometimes it's indicative of the scheme you're running and and what's happening. And this was also the first year of Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, we're we're kind of, you know, looping into that whole like, well, this is the emergence of CMC and that kind of a weapon and them kind of scaling things back. He also still rushed for 488 yards and four rushing touchdowns. Now, the thing I like about Cam Newton still as a fantasy player is as a quarterback, he has control over his points more than any other position on the field. It's one of the things about Josh Allen that you like, too. So what I'm saying is he's a guy that's going to get rushing yards. He's a guy that's still going to get rushing touchdowns. And even if he gets, let's say, five rushing touchdowns or something in this model here that's close to it, and he's somewhere around 500 rushing yards... If you add that just into a pedestrian 25 touchdown total, that's basically a low-end QB1 without a doubt, maybe even room to move up to fantasy league average QB1, which is an impressive jump. I think James White is a huge beneficiary of the Cam Newton signing right off the bat, and I think that Julian Edelman, somebody who people were fading into oblivion, is now going to come back into the consciousness because there's no way he's not going to get 100-plus targets in this offense with Cam Newton, and I do not buy any narrative that this is a competition. I mean Cam Newton, you don't bring in a thirty one year old I agree.
1: MVP I agree. Yeah. To
0: to to sit there on behind Jarrett Stidham. Okay, that's not happening. No, so no,
1: but but there is a scenario but that. that but there is let's also be candid, there's also sure. a scenario where this is a disaster very early on, even maybe before the season starts, it, and they just go and, and Cam Newton retires and as a TV guy. It's possible. Like I mean that I mean, I don't think that's likely, but it's it's in the that pie chart, it's like the small little slice
0: there of course it it absolutely is and cam and this is going to be and this is why i always thought if one team was going to get cam it was going to be denver and not new england simply because i couldn't see the post-conference stuff working with a belichick team so i don't know what kind of conversations are going to go on there but i can't imagine that kind of stuff is going to go on to the extent because they are a very worry about what's going on in front of you, we're professional, we get in there, we don't give the media too much, all these things. And and you know what, if Cam Newton can adjust to that Belichick style, it could be very beneficial for him because I think the one problem Cam Newton has that's greater than anything is he listens to all the noise. And the one thing that's hanging up in the Patriot locker room when you walk in, it says clearly in there, you know, ignore the noise. And that's the one thing that Cam has not been able to do. He's always had an enormous amount of talent going back to the college days. He's always had an enormous amount of ability. He's shown it on the field. He's an MVP talent. But the problem is all the other noise always gets in his head and all the extracurricular things. He's on a one-year deal where he is going to, at best, make as much as Teddy Bridgewater this year, which is kind of staggering when you think about it, like $8 million versus $7.5 million. That's if he hits all right. the incentives. I mean, it's a no-brainer for the Pats, but from a fantasy standpoint, I'm going to rattle off some names. I want you to tell me who you'd rather have. You want okay. the quarterback in Cam Newton, who is again in control of his fantasy points, or do you want Aaron Rodgers this year, who has already taken a couple ticks down in terms of yardage? Oh, totals? I
1: mean, come on! I mean, if it's a best ball, I'm Rodgers all day long. I mean, yeah, right. I, I mean, I'm I i can well, I'm 100 sold.
0: That's fine.
1: If Newton's okay, you know. Like, I mean, if, if, if I mean, if we're talking about this moment, I have to take Rodgers. I have. All to. right.
0: What about this moment, Tom Brady? Or Cam Newton.
1: Yeah, still anybody with a pulse, honestly. These
0: are all guys on the bubble of QB one, QB two. That's why I'm going through them. I
1: I would, I would not take. I would take Cam Newton ahead of Nick Foles and Ryan Tannehill and some of those guys, but I, I I couldn't. I mean, I'm not. Would you take him ahead of
0: Daniel Jones?
1: No. No. Okay, so it's still Daniel I, I Jones. Know, I'm of... not 100% that this guy okay. is going to play. Like, I, I, you know, all incentives, like, what is it? No base? Well, like,
0: isn't that the best kind of scenario for a guy like Cam Newton? It,
1: it is, but what if he's done, Joe? Like, what if it's over? <laughs> I mean, this happens. Guys sign, and then they never end up playing. Jerry At Rice. 31?
0: Like, yeah, but not nah, yeah, but he was 41. This that, is that's 31. That's true. true, This, is, a, this I, is the I, guy I'm in not... the peak of his career still.
1: I'm 90% sure Cam Newton's going to play, but the 10% would be, for me, just take him over all of the crap at quarterback.
0: Okay, so you're going to take him over Tannehill, who's a mid-level QB, two. Uh What about Stafford? You're going to take Stafford over him, right?
1: Oh, I'd take Stafford, yeah.
0: Okay, I would take Stafford over Cam, too, but I think... What you're doing is right now, just to close out, I think you're looking at Cam Newton as a pretty solid, fun investment as a QB, two, But you Definitely. take the guys like Brady, 20, like Stafford 23rd guy,
1: right 22nd now. guy.
0: But I think the That's upside, it. the upside oh, of course. is he could, he could end be up QB being 1. a fantasy of league course. average. Of well, course. he can't be QB1, but he could be a mid-level QB1. And I think that is something to take into account, depending on who your first quarter is. take him is ahead of are.
1: Tyrod Taylor. I would oh. take, Right now, I would take him ahead of... Um, bridgewater like like that's worth a risk for me but the other guys i know are starting and and i know that are going to put up okay numbers all right thanks to brett danny and ryan for putting on our show once again today for my co-host joe pisa i'm craig mish hope you guys have a great tuesday we'll be back tomorrow for another edition of fst right here on sports have a great day See.